What is going on, sports fans, and welcome back to another edition of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast, Season 3, Episode 19, and we are in the best sports month of October, the first episode of the best sports month of the year, October, and let me tell you why. We got an NFL Week 4 recap. We got an NFL Week 5 preview and picks, college football. We're getting into conference playing college football, and of course, it wouldn't be October without the MLB playoffs. I will tell you my World Series prediction, go through every series, and tell you why each team in the MLB playoffs can win it all. It's a loaded show today, and it's all brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast, creation tools, editing tools. Everything you need to make your very own podcast is at Anchor. So if you're going to make your very own podcast or have any interest at all in doing your own podcast, go to anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app today. Today is Thursday, October 7th. Let's go. Welcome back into season three, episode 19 of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast. Week five of the NFL starts tonight, but before we get there, we got to recap week four. We go to L.A. where the Raiders took on the Chargers in a battle of AFC West heavyweights. Monday Night Football was delayed about 30 minutes by lightning, and the team with the lightning bolt on their helmets dominated the first 30 minutes of the actual game. The crazy part was, this lightning delay happened in a dome stadium. Huh? What? Justin Herbert had a dominant first half. And the finally healthy Derwin James had his first takeaway in three seasons. And both sides of the ball were supercharged. The Chargers are a team to reckon with. And Herbert will forever be the Washington football team's what if. Fun fact, I lost $5 on this game. Because the Raiders couldn't get it done. As the Chargers win 28-14. We go to Foxborough where it was the biggest game of the season for some. And Tom, terrific, didn't look very terrific. And Tampa Bay struggled against Mac Jones and Bill Belichick. But in the end, was there ever a doubt? A night where Tom Brady broke the passing yards record, his team also won on a field goal. In rainy New England, Mac Jones outplayed the GOAT, but couldn't deny Tom Brady of a historic sweep of the entire NFL. Brady becomes only the fourth quarterback in history to beat all 32 teams in the NFL. The game of the century didn't disappoint, but the defending champs may be too injured to be as good as I thought, and the Patriots may be better than their 1-3 record implies, as the Buccaneers win 19-17. 
We got a mile high where Teddy Bridgewater got hurt and Drew Locke was looking to lock it down for the Broncos. But Lamar Jackson and Hollywood Brown had different ideas. Now look, I hope Teddy Bridgewater completely comes back from the concussion, but it kind of feels like the opening for Denver to justify a trade for Aaron Rodgers this offseason. And Baltimore's dominance on the ground now includes a 43rd straight 100-yard rushing game, which ties the NFL record. It would be fitting if the Ravens break the record in primetime against the Colts, as the Ravens win 23-7. We go to Green Bay, where Pittsburgh may not be ready to hit the bannock button, but nothing screams code red like Steelers' Twitter start starting to clamor to bench a beat-down Ben Roethlisberger for the underachieving Dwayne Haskins. And a week after being accused of quitting? Man, things are really getting out of hand fast for the black and gold. And as a Cleveland Browns fan, I could not be happier. But let's talk about the Packers. This team everybody wrote off after week one might be the favorites in the NFC once again because Aaron Rodgers looks like he's playing the best football of his career once again. As the Packers win 27-17. We go to Santa Clara. Well, San Francisco, you wanted Trey Lance, and now you've got him. But Seattle and Russell Wilson had other ideas, and they put together a four-quarter game, beating the Niners on the road. If Trey Lance balls out in Arizona to knock off the undefeated Cardinals, I don't think he'll see the bench again. But for now, it's Trey time in San Fran. As the 49ers lose, and the Seahawks win 28-21. We go to L.A., where the Rams took on the Cardinals. And it was an insane, insane game that nobody expected. The Cardinals are 4-0. They are first in points, first in yards, and second in touchdowns in the NFL. Sean McVay was 8-0 against Arizona entering this game, and the Cardinals played like they were sick of it. And now they're atop the best division in football. They might be the biggest surprise of the season to date, as they beat the Rams 37-20. We go to Atlanta, where disappointing as the Washington defense continues to be, Taylor Heineke continues to be a pleasant surprise. His clutch performance to snatch a win in his hometown only adds to the growing legend in D.C. Heineke is going to have to play more games like this if Washington is even going to hang with the likes of New Orleans, Kansas City, and Green Bay. As Washington wins, 34-30. We go to Philadelphia where Andy Reid's return to Philly saw his offense return to form for his 100th career win with the Chiefs in the city in which he won more than 100 games with the Eagles, become the first coach in NFL history to do so. Tyreek Hill had 50 fantasy points, and Pat Mahomes invented new ways to throw a touchdown pass as the Chiefs win 42-30. to We go to Dallas, Texas, where the Panthers and Sam Darnold look to remain undefeated against Dak Prescott. But Trayvon Diggs had other plans. As Trayvon Diggs had his five, had gathered his league-best fifth interception in the first four games of the season and looks like a legit star in the making for the team with a star on their helmets. As the Cowboys win, 36-28. We go to New Orleans, where the, if you thought the roof was on fire in New Orleans before, let the Saints march into Washington and blow another game to a bad NFC East team. I know they just got home from a month away from home, but no amount of voodoo can fix New Orleans if a team that talented drops to the bottom of the division. And how about Danny Dimes? He was off the charts Sunday in New Orleans. And he, on the road in his career, he's thrown 25 touchdowns and 7 interceptions. He is a road warrior and plays much better on the road at home. 
Luckily for the Giants, they play half the season away from home as they win 27-21. We go to the Meadowlands where the Titans took on the Jets without A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. Derrick Henry had a high usage, but man, oh man, the Jets enter this game not even averaging a touchdown, and they hung 27 on Tennessee. Zach Wilson looked like he could actually throw the football, and the Titans' defense is wasting Derrick Henry's prime. The Jets win 27-24. We go to Chicago, where it was Fields' time, finally. Detroit had the better passer on Sunday, the edge of time and possession, and held Chicago to just one for eight on third down conversions, and they still lost. Hey, Dan Campbell, you can start working on those kneecaps at any time. As the Bears win 24-14. We go to Miami where it was a who cares game between an 0-3 team and a 1-3 team. Carson Wentz and the Colts got their first win of the year and Jonathan Taylor ran wild as the Colts win 27-17. We go to Minnesota where Kirk Cousins looked to get a win against his former offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski. Given all the talk of the offensive-minded Kevin Stefanski's return to Minnesota, it was somehow fitting that the Browns' defense is what carried Cleveland to a victory over a Vikings team coming off its best offensive performance in years. But Baker Mayfield better bring a better game to L.A. against the Chargers. But the Browns' defense looks dominant, and so does Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Chunt, if you will, as the Browns win 14-7. We go to Buffalo, where all I can say is yikes. That's all. The Bills win 40 to nothing, and no one circles the wagon like the Buffalo Bills. The Bengals played the Jaguars, and that's where we finish in Cincinnati. Why did the NFL think it was a good idea to schedule this on a Thursday night? It was a good game between former number one picks, but Urban Meyer did not embrace the grind during the game. He rather embraced it this weekend in a bar in Dublin, Ohio. But Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals off to their first 3-1 start in forever and looked like they could be a surprise playoff team this season as the Bengals win 24-21. Week 4 is in the books, and that was the fastest five minutes in football presented by Anchor. And there are a lot of, a lot of great games in Week 4, um, a lot of, I feel like a lot of low-scoring games, though, a lot of surprises, and like I said last week, this is the time where teams kind of start showing who they are. I think we learned a lot about some teams this year. Obviously, the Steelers come to mind. I think the Steelers are done. I think they're done. I think Big Ben's too old. Their defense is good, but their defense can no longer just win them games. I think that it's time for the Steelers to see what they have with Mason Rudolph or see what they have with Dwayne Haskins. I don't know. I don't know. We'll get to our week five picks in a minute, but before that, I kind of want to talk about my reactions from week four and also talk about some injury news and some other news in the NFL. Let's start with the Browns. Uh, they did get the win on Sunday against the Vikings, 14-7. and They started 3-1 and in back-to-back seasons, but man, oh man, they got a tough matchup on Sunday against the Los Angeles Chargers, and if they want to win on Sunday, they need all their guys to show up and play their best game, and that includes Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, I feel comfortable saying this. Had his worst performance as an NFL quarterback on Sunday against the Vikings. And the good news for the Browns is they still won. But it was his worst performance as a pro. 
Mayfield completed 45% of his passes for 155 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions for a 59.5 rating. His lowest rating ever. But there could be an explanation for this, and Ian Rappaport tried to offer us some clarity today as this report says that Baker Mayfield has a partially torn labrum. According to Ian Rappaport of NFL Network, Mayfield suffered the injury in week two while making a tackle after an interception during a win over the Houston Texans. He's playing with a partially torn labrum in his non-throwing soldier that weren't, won't require surgery. After the game on in against Houston, Baker said, obviously it's not an ideal situation, trying to force him back inside. I think he realized it was me standing right there, so he put his head down and ran right after me. Kind of popped in and out, but I will be good. Nothing too serious. Despite the injury, Mayfield has been a full participant in practice leading up to week three and hasn't been listed on the injury report for the past two weeks. He's had an up-and-down career. After a promising rookie season, he struggled in 2019. We all know this. He rebounded last year, though. But he is playing with a partially torn labrum that won't, won't require surgery yet. And uh, the bizarreness of this continues is they asked his, his receiver, his number one receiver, Odell Beckham Jr., who he missed several times on Sunday for open throws. Odell says that he's had a torn labrum for the last 10 years and that he understands what Baker's going through, but, he do, but Odell does not want to get the surgery, so that's why he hasn't. I just think it's a little bit of a weird situation. And obviously Baker needs to play better. I don't know if that means sitting him a couple weeks, get him right, because he, like I said, he's more important in December and January than he is in October and September. I don't know. We'll see. But, I, I mean, good for Baker for gutting it out, but the Browns do need to get healthy, and they do need Baker to play like the Baker of last year rather than the Baker of 2019, which is what he's looked like so far this season. So that's my take on the Browns. Their defense looks insane. Miles Garrett is, is an animal. And some other big stories around the NFL. The Bears, Matt Nagy, finally, finally, finally announces that Justin Fields will be the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears moving forward. Justin Fields started on Sunday, led the Bears to a win. He looked good. He made, he made more throws down the field than Andy Dalton did in the last two seasons combined. That just opens up a whole other element for this Bears offense. I like Justin Fields. I had the pleasure of watching him at Ohio State. He's an ultra-talented quarterback. He can run. He can pass. He's got great arm strength. The Bears have some playmakers. David Montgomery's on the shelf for a couple weeks. That will force Justin Fields to do some more. I know, but he's still got a true bona fide number one receiver in Allen Robinson. They got some other talented players around him. The defense of the Bears is really good. So I'm interested to see where this Bears team wins. I think Justin Fields, they're 2-2 two and two right now. I think Fields can realistically win them six or seven games this season and prove that he is the guy moving forward. And then the other big story in the NFL were two players that were surprisingly released, one from the Patriots and one from the Cowboys. The Cowboys released their linebacker, Jalen Smith, who they signed to a mega extension a couple years ago. Jalen Smith then went and signed with the Green Bay Packers, solidifying their strength on the defensive side of the ball. And Stephon Gilmore, just two years ago, was the defensive player of the year for the New England Patriots. He got cut. He was on the PUP list for the and wasn't eligible to return until week six but the Carolina Panthers a team that's three and one they're fringe playoff contenders had an impressive start to the season 
They traded for Stephon Gilmore, who's from Carolina, went played his college ball at South Carolina, to return and give them a true number one corner. So that will be something interesting to watch as well. But just two interesting moves I saw in the NFL in week four, after week four as a result of week four. And let's get to our week five picks. These week five picks, as always, are brought to you by Anchor. I'll update you guys on my record and all that good stuff as well. Let's see. We're in the 93rd percentile on ESPN in terms of how many games we have picked right. Last week, we went 11-5. and five. So far on the season, we are 41-23, and 23, picking 64% of the games right. And let's start with tonight's matchup on Thursday Night Football. The Rams go to Seattle at the Seahawks. The Rams are the favorites in this one. They're road favorites. The Seahawks are home underdogs. I like picking the home underdogs normally. The Seahawks showed me on Sunday that they can play a complete full football game, a four-quarter football game, and go out there and win it. But the Rams have had the Seahawks number the last couple years. Last year, Jalen Ramsey absolutely locked down DK Metcalf when they played each other. The Rams knocked the Seattle Seahawks out of the playoffs last season, if you remember that. So I'll go with the Rams. I think the Rams, We I think we a little bit overrated the Rams after they beat the Buccaneers because they did not look very good against the St. Uh, St. Louis Cardinals. They got the MLB on my mind. The, the Arizona Cardinals, excuse me. They did not look that good against the Arizona Cardinals. They get 37 points, and I think partially is because of how talented that Arizona team is. But also, you have Aaron Donald. You have Jalen Ramsey, two of the top 10 defensive players in all of football. You should not be giving up 40 points to anybody. I'm tempted to pick Seattle, but I'll go with the Rams. Another who cares game at 9.30 a.m. 9.30 a.m., 6.30 a.m. in London, as this game will be played in London. It's the New York Jets and the Atlanta Falcons. And I feel bad for the people of London that the best football they get from us here in America are the Jets and the Falcons. I really feel for them. But hey, the Falcons have been playing better, especially offensively as of late. The Jets got their first win last week. They did a good job on offense. Zach Wilson made some great throws down the field. So maybe this will be, I think this might be an entertaining game, much like that Bengals-Jaguars game was a couple weeks last week. A little bit of a who cares game between two teams that have historically been bad for the last couple years. This is another one of those games, but it seems like they're very even teams. So maybe it will be an even game, maybe a high-scoring shootout. We know these two teams don't play defense. With that being said, I like the Falcons to get the win over the Jets. At the end of the day, I'm picking experience over inexperience. I'm picking Matt Ryan over Zach Wilson. And Atlanta's been in almost every game they played this year, except the one against Tampa, if I remember. They lost by four to Washington. They were in that Tampa game until the fourth quarter. They were down three at one point. They got the win, obviously, against oh, – who was it? It was a bad, another one of those bad teams. Let me look. I got to look. I, I got to be – I got to know this off the top of my head. Atlanta Falcons schedule. They do have a little bit of a favorable, favorable schedule coming up here. The Falcons, but I don't think they'll make any noise at all. But again, Arthur Smith, I don't mind Arthur Smith as a coach. Yeah, see, they've been in every game this year. Oh, I guess they did get killed by Philly in week one but and by Tampa Bay. But after that, they beat the Giants on the road 17-14, to and they were close against Washington. So I feel comfortable picking them against the Jets. Packers-Bengals in Cincinnati. The Bengals faithful is going to be rocking. That stadium is going to be filled Chanting behind Joe Burrow. 
Jamar Chase, all those guys in Cincinnati thinking they can beat Aaron Rodgers. And I can tell you what, Aaron Rodgers is going to go in there and break the hearts of the people of Cincinnati. Joe Mixon is not going to play, so that's an, a big another big reason why I'm picking the Green Bay Packers in this one. But I also just think the Green Bay is the better team. I think this is a game that Green Bay expects to win, that they should win. But I don't think they will look past this Bengals team. They're through. The Bengals are three and one, just like the Packers. I think the Packers looked past the Saints a little bit in Week One. They got blown out, so I don't think that happens again. Lions at the Vikings. It's a must-win game for the Vikings. If the Vikings lose this game, I will write them off completely. They should just blow it up if they lose this game because the Lions are inventing new ways to lose this season. They are inventing new ways to lose. It's just every week they do something different. It's crazy. They 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 got three touchdowns on Sunday called back. They had a fumble on a shotgun snap. And it they 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 snapped the ball in the shotgun. It hit Jared Goff in the midsection. It got intercepted by a Bears defender. This Lions team is really bad. Really, really bad. And I feel bad for the people of Detroit because I sympathize with Lions fans. I've had to deal with bad football the majority of my life as a Cleveland Browns fan. But, man, oh, man, this Vikings offense is good. They ran into a buzzsaw last week in the Browns. I don't expect them to play that poorly again against this Lions team. Broncos at Steelers. Um... The Broncos are favored in this one. I don't know how I feel about that, especially because the status of Teddy Bridgewater in this game is undetermined. Let me take a look. Bridgewater. Hmm. Apparently, he's trending in the right direction to play on Sunday, so maybe that changes my pick. I'll go with the Broncos on the road on Sunday. I was going to pick the Steelers if Teddy Bridgewater was out, but since it looks like Bridgewater's going to play, I feel comfortable picking the Broncos. The Steelers, man, they need to move on from Big Ben. I I mean it it's it's really sad. It's kind of like it's kind of like when you got that old car, your first car. You got it when you were 16 years old. You drove it to college. You you drove it on your first date with your wife, you know, your, your first car. But then it starts breaking down. You got to start paying for things you'd never Never thought you would have to pay for it. You got a new problem with the car every week. It's done so much for you. It's led you to two Super Bowls, so to say. But sometimes you just got to trade it in for that new SUV. That's what the Steelers need to do. Big Ben, he's got a lot of mileage on him. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback. He won you two Super Bowls. He's been your quarterback since 2004, 18 years, 17 years. But some, you got to look in your garage. You got to look at Dwayne Haskins. Could Dwayne Haskins mold into a Corvette? Could Mason Rudolph mold, in, uh, mold into a Range Rover? You're never going to know if you don't get him out of the garage. So that's what I think the Steelers need to do. And until they do that, I think they're going to keep losing these games that they're going to remain close in. They're just Big Ben. I don't trust him to make throws in the fourth quarter when he needs to. So I'm going to go with the Broncos. My lock of the week. Buccaneer, uh, let's make sure this is my lock of the week. Um, because I'm also in like a survivor pool. If you guys ever heard of those, yeah, it is my lock of the week. This is my lock of the week. Buccaneers over the Dolphins. Uh, the Dolphins have looked bad without Tua. They're one and three. They've lost three straight. They last week, who who they lose to last week? It was ugly. Whoever it was, they lost thirty-five to nothing to the Bills the one week. I know that. 
They lost to the Colts last week. They didn't weren't very competitive. They lost to the Raiders in overtime. They got the Buccaneers. It's gonna be ugly. Tom Brady played it. They did beat they did beat um the Patriots on Sunday, but Tom Brady didn't play his best. I think he knows that he needs to play better, especially in a game like this against a team that's not very good. So I think he will bounce back and the Buccaneers will win that game. Saints and the football team in Washington. And my question for this game is, which Saints team are we going to get? Are we going to get the Jameis Winston and the Saints team that threw five touchdowns against the Packers and gave Aaron Rodgers the worst loss he's had in his career, beating them 38-3? to Are we going to get the Saints team of last week that loses to the New York Giants and Danny Dimes? You got to answer me that question. The football team is going to be in games. Their offense is just good enough to keep them in games. Taylor Heineke is a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. He's not an all-pro all, all quarterback. He's a good quarterback who can make throws when he needs to. But the strength of this Washington football team was supposed to be their defense. Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Ron Rivera. We were all supposed to hear about the defense that was ranked number one in the NFL last season. We were supposed to see them take that next step and carry this Washington football team to an NFC East title. So far this season, the Washington football team has been horrendous on defense. If their defense shows up on Sunday and plays like the Washington football team of last season, I will pick the Washington football team to win this game. But I do not have full faith that that will happen. So I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints because they have more talent. I think Sean Sean Payton's a better coach than Ron Rivera. That's why I'm going with the Saints. Eagles at Panthers in Carolina. I'll take Carolina. I like I like Jalen Hurts. I like the Eagles. They've got some scrappy young guys. They're just a young football team, though. Christian McCaffrey's coming back. I like Carolina's defense. Sam Darnold has been great this year, so I'll go with the Panthers. This could also be a lock of the week, but after seeing them lose to the Jets last week, I can't do it. But the Titans go to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars. With that whole Urban Meyer situation, for those of you who don't know, Urban Meyer was caught on video at a bar in Dublin, Ohio, with a significantly younger woman dancing near his lap. Uh, it was very inappropriate. I don't know why Urban didn't fly back with the team, first of all. That's my first point. And second of all, why he was doing that, why he thought that was a good idea. You're Urban Meyer in Columbus where you won a national championship as the coach of Ohio State. Of course, there are going to be video cameras on you. He had to expect it was going to get out. But there are reports all around the league that Urban Meyer has lost the locker room, that the players aren't doing it for Urban anymore. So uh, it's just an ugly situation in Jacksonville. So I'll go with the Titans. The Patriots and the Texans, I would like to pick the Patriots in this one. The Texans have looked horrendous since Tyrod Taylor has gotten hurt and Davis Mills has come in. You know, the Patriots, I think the Patriots played their best game of the year last year against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They put up, you know, they put up 17 points. I know that's not an eye-popping number, but it was good for, for against that Tampa Bay defense, a game a lot of people penciled in as a blot for Tom Brady. Mac Jones actually outplayed Tom Brady. Bill Belichick is learning to call plays for Mac Jones. The Patriots, I think, have an outside chance of being contenders this year. So I'm going to go with the Patriots over the Texans. Bears at Raiders. I'll take the Raiders at home. It's Justin Fields' second NFL start, but his first start on the road. I think jitters will be a 
big thing in this one. I think the Raiders are kind of mad how that game on Monday night unfolded. I thought I thought they thought if they won that game, they were the true true favorites and the true best team in the AFC West, but now it's definitely the Chargers. So I got to go with the Raiders on Sunday at home against the Bears. Browns at Chargers. I've been 3 and 1 picking the Browns every week this year. But this week, sadly, I got to go against the Browns. Which Baker Mayfield am I going to get on Sunday? I know he has a partially torn labrum, I know. But am I going to get the Baker Mayfield last season against the Titans that threw dots all over the field and threw four touchdown passes? Or am I going to get the Baker Mayfield against the Bengals who completed 21 to 22 passes in the second half and threw five touchdowns last year? Or am I going to get the Baker Mayfield last week? He threw for 155 passing yards, 59.5 passer rating. Am I going to get the Baker Mayfield last of 2019 who threw 21 interceptions? Which Baker Mayfield am I going to get? I'm not worried about the defense. I'm not worried about the running game. I'm not even worried about the receivers. I'm worried about Baker Mayfield. And right now, I trust Justin Herbert, that L.A. Chargers offense with the likes of Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, their defense with Joey Boza. I trust the Chargers more than I trust, trust the Browns. It's a battle of two of the best teams in the AFC. I think the Chargers prove it on the field this week and that the Chargers prove they belong with the big boys of the AFC this week and they beat the Browns. Giants at Cowboys. I think the Cowboys will win easily in this one. The Cowboys have looked better in the last couple weeks. They look good in week one. They could be 4-0 right now legitimately. But Dak Prescott is having an MVP-type season. Ezekiel Elliott looked like the Ezekiel Elliott of old last week. And I think that's good news for the Cowboys. And I don't think they let Danny Dimes come into Dallas and beat him. 49ers at Cardinals in Arizona. I feel like the Cardinals have to fall down back to earth at some point. I know that I think this game will be a shootout one, but I just don't think the Cardinals will keep up this high level. They will be probably in the conversation for the playoffs, and everybody's putting them number one in the power rankings right now because they're undefeated, but I don't think they can keep this consistent level of play up right now, but I will pick the Cardinals. Uh, it's going to be probably going to be Trey Lance's first NFL start. Maybe Jimmy G, I don't know. We'll see who it is. I think the uncertainty of the quarterback position mixed with the Cardinals' consistency on offense this year will give the Cardinals the win in this one. The game of the week on Sunday night football. The Bills and the Chiefs in Kansas City, 8.20 p.m., a rematch of the AFC Championship game last season. And you know what? It's going to be my upset pick of the week. I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills. The Bills right now are the best team in the NFL. They're the best team in the NFL. They've hit their stride after losing an uncharacteristic loss week one against the Steelers. They've hit their stride. Josh Allen is doing it all. They've, the defense is playing better. They've shut out two of their last three opponents. And I think the Bills will want this game more than the Chiefs will. And I think Josh Allen will outduel Pat Mahomes on Sunday night, and the Bills will win this game and move to 4-1. and one. And then Monday night in Baltimore, we got the Colts and the Ravens. I kind of want to pick the Colts in this one, but I got to do the smart thing and pick the Ravens. So I'll go with the Ravens at home on Monday night football. And that is our week five NFL picks and previews. And that is going to do it for the first half of this episode. When we come back, MLB playoff preview 
and some college football talk. You won't want want to miss it. Please stay with us. Welcome back, everybody, to Season 3, Episode 19 of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast. And hearing that music just gets me hyped up for the best postseason of any major sport, and that is the MLB playoffs. Yeah, they officially started Tuesday night as the Red Sox took on the Yankees at Fenway Park in Boston, and I went to Fenway Park this summer. There's something magical about Fenway Park. There is Fenway magic. And we saw it on Tuesday night as the Red Sox got the best of the Yankees 6-2. to two, And there was a bad omen in this game. And I was watching this game, and the Yankees never felt like they were in it, but it also didn't feel like they were out of it at any point. But Giancarlo Stanton, who had absolutely been torching the, absolutely been torching the Red Sox in the regular season, Almost, almost hit a home run the first inning, but it ended up to be a long sig- a long single. And I just got to play for you the voice of the New York Yankees, John Sterling's call of this single that he thought was a home run. It was just an omen of bad things to come for the Yankees. Here it is. The pitch to Stanton. Truth there goes. Deep left. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Out of the ballpark. A Stantonian home run. Now, what did, what did I do wrong? What did I see wrong? He's at first base. <laughs> as soon as that happened, I knew the Yankees were going to lose this game. It's weird. It's weird. Like, But it's just a feeling that I had. And next, sure enough, next inning, Xander Bogart hits a two-run shot off Garrett Cole. The Red Sox get him for another run and a Kyle Schwarber home run. Garrett Cole doesn't even last three innings, and the Red Sox just roll to a 6-2 win. And for the Yankees, man, disappointing season. They were supposed to come out of the American League once again. A lot of people picked them to do just that, but they did not even come close to the expectations people had for them this season. I think Aaron Boone's going to get fired. I think there are going to be a whole lot of changes in the Bronx for the Bronx Bombers next season. And the other NL wildcard game happened last night as the Dodgers took on the Cardinals. Outstanding game. Two of the... Two of the old veteran ace pitchers going up against each other in Max Scherzer for the Dodgers and Adam Wainwright for the Cardinals. And they had a pitcher's duel. It was was 1-1. Justin Turner hit a home run for the Dodgers. The the Cardinals had a run on – the Cardinals had a run on – I forget who. 
on a wild pitch in the in the first couple innings. It was one to one. Heading into the bottom of the ninth, when Chris Taylor stepped up to the plate for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Two balls and a strike to count on Taylor. Reyes fires, swing and a drive, deep left field. This is way back. Walk him off, Chris Taylor. And what a poetic ending in that one. Albert Pujols, I thought Albert Pujols was going to hit the walk-off. He led off the bottom of the ninth inning. And if he had a walk-off home run, that would have been the most storybook ending ever. But Chris Taylor was the one who did it. And the Hollywood ending does happen for the Hollywood team as the Dodgers win. And they, the defending World Series champions set off. They set up the best series of the playoffs already happening in round one. And I think the MLB needs to change their playoff format. That's just me. But the fact that if the Dodgers lost last night and they won 106 games, they wouldn't get a chance to play again is ridiculous. But they won, thankfully, and we get a series between the NL West winning Giants, who win 107 games in the regular season, and the NL West runner-ups, the Dodgers, who won 106 games in the regular season. Another reason the MLB needs to change their format is because you're telling me that the Braves, who won 88, 89 games, don't get to play the top-seeded team. I think it should be the top-seeded team versus a team with the worst record and then the middle two teams. That's what I think it should be. But the wild card game does complicate that because, in theory, the division winners should get some love. But I just... I don't know. It, it, it can be better, but the playoffs are set. The ALDS uh, game ones are today between the Tampa Bay Rays and the Boston Red Sox. And then the other side, we got the Astros and the White Sox. And then we got four games on Friday, and it's the be- one of the best sports days of all time. Is the, the four MLB postseason games the same day. It's electric. As we got the Giants and the Dodgers, and then we got the Braves and the Brewers. Two good series on the NL side, two great series on the AL side as well. We'll go through my picks right now, and then I can tell you why each team, I think, has a chance to win it all. Rays, Red Sox, Tampa Bay has home field advantage. The Rays won 100 games. It's a five-game series. Remember, the, the MLB playoffs, the ALDS is a best-of-five series. I like the Rays in this series. I mean, I, I, don't get me wrong. I think the Red Sox could win this series. I think the Red Sox have more offensive talent than the Rays do with the likes of Rafael Devers, J.D. Martinez, who is on the playoff roster. And they got still got Chris Sale and Nathan Eovaldi, who looked absolutely nasty on Tuesday night against the Yankees. It was a big win for the Red Sox. And honestly, I think if you ask any Red Sox fan, I mean, obviously the Red Sox want to win the World Series, but I just think if you ask them, they would rather win that game against the Yankees. But the Rays, they've got a lot of good a lot of good players, including their starting rotation, Shane McClanahan, Shane Baz, Drew Ramusin. They've got a lot of a lot of a lot of good good players. And their offense is obviously led by Randy Rosarina, Brandon Lowe. They got Hygen Choi still. They got and they went to the World Series last year. Let's not forget this team went one they went to the World Series last year. They hung with the Dodgers. They were they were probably one bad managerial decision away from winning that game and forcing Game 7 in the World Series. 
They still got most of their roster returning from last season's World Series run, and they won 100 games. For that reason, I think the Red Sox will lose this series. The Rays will win this series, but I do think it will go a full five games. Something about that Fenway magic. I think they'll split at Tampa, split at Fenway, and the Rays will win a deciding game five back at Tropicana Field. That's how I envision that series going. So I got the Rays moving on to the ALCS. On the other side, we got two of the historic cheaters in all of baseball is the Black Sox versus the Houston Asterisks. The Astros and the White Sox will take on each other. Um, pretty even series. I think these teams are very, very even. I got to watch the White Sox a lot this season because they did play the 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 Guardians, the Cleveland Guardians, a lot this season. I got to see the Astros a little bit. They were on national TV. They did play Cleveland a couple times this season. I think the Astros have more talent. I do. I do think the Astros have more talent. What about what? A, talk about a great manager matchup. We got two of the game's greats. All-time greats and Dusty Baker versus Tony La Russa. Uh, I don't want to pick the Astros. I do not want to pick the Astros. But I also don't want to pick the White Sox. I think the Astros will win this series, though. I did say I did think the White Sox would win before I started recording this podcast. But when I started doing research for it, started looking at it, I was like, the more, more I look at it, the more I think the Astros are going to win this series. I just think they got too much talent. I think they got a great pitching rotation, great bullpen, great lineup. And they do, I think they do have home field. Yeah, the Astros do have the home field. So that is another reason I got the Astros going to the ALCS. In the NL, Dodgers-Giants, it's going to be the series of the postseason, folks. I can already tell you it's going the distance. It's going all five games. It's in San Francisco to start, and then we go to the Dodgers for games three and four, and then Giants in game five. Um, tough one. Very, very tough. The Dodgers, no doubtedly, have more talent than the Giants, but the Giants, just something about them. They had a magical run in the regular season. The fact that the Dodgers had an above 600 winning percentage over the last 81 games in the second half, and they only gained two. They only gained two games in the Giants. Two. Despite how much success they had in the second half. That just shows how consistently great this Giants team has been all season long. All season long. I love the Giants. The Giants are having another storybook year. It reminds me of the Giants of 2014 and 2012 and all those Giants teams. Game one and two starters, Logan Webb and Kevin Gossman, are great, great pitchers. And I think that could help put the Dodgers in a hole. But it's going to be a lengthy NLDS. Alex Wood and Anthony Descolfani are going to be probably the games three and four starters. But do I pick? Can I pick against the Giants? But Max Scherzer, Walker Bueller, and Julio Urias, they're the Dodgers. Like the 2019 Washington Nationals, the most recent full-season champs, the Dodgers' suffocating top three starters give them the capability to get past the wildcard game with just a dent in the pitching plans. Julio Arias, Max Scherzer, Walker Buehler. And can you only imagine if this team had Clayton Kershaw? Oh, my goodness. 
I don't know who to pick in this one. I think I got to flip a coin. Mm. You know what? For the sake of arguments, for the sake of wanting some new colors in the World Series, I'll take the Giants. They're at home. I like the team. I think the Dodgers have more talent, but the Giants are a better team. Then we got the Brewers and the Braves. I got a chance to watch the Brewers in person this season. I went to a game against the Indians, Brewers-Indians, a progressive field. The Brewers won 11-1. We've all seen what this Brewers team can do. I think the Brewers are the most complete team in baseball. Love their manager, Council. Love Love their bullpen, of course, led by the anchor, Josh Hader, the best closer in baseball. And I love their starting rotation. They don't have a clear ace, but they have a bunch of great pitchers. Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns. We obviously saw him no-hit the Cleveland. And their lineup, they have a superstar in Yelich who had a down year, but it didn't matter because they don't have many superstars outside of Yelich, but they have a ton of solid, good MLB hitters, and MLB defenders that can change the game. I love, love, love the Brewers, and I'm picking the Brewers to win this in four games against the Braves. So that means I think the NLCS will be 1-2, and two, and the ALCS will be 1-2, and two, so no upsets this far. I think the Rays will beat the Astros in the ALCS. I think the Brewers will beat the Giants in the NLCS. I got Brewers-Rays in the World Series, and I love the Brew Crew to win the World Series. And that's partially just because I'm a big Bob Uecker fan. I'm a big fan of small market teams. That's why I love the Brewers. But that's just what I think is going to happen. And right now I'll go through each team and tell you why they can win it all. We'll start with the Houston Astros. They're just first alphabetically on my list. So the Astros, obviously they need redemption. It may never come for the team that won the 2017 World Series cheating. They did lose George Springer. But this Astros group is built upon a solid foundation. Their pitching staff holds opponents to a 299 average. They got good players like Framber Valdez, rookie Luis Garcia, and they have an ace in Lance McCullers. And they have a formidable playoff rotation. The bullpen lines up nicely to take down the final three or four innings if they need to. And their notorious lineup is once again so deep that top free agent Carlos Correa looms in the number six hole right behind batting champ Yuli Gurriel. Everybody loves to hate this team, but they could be here all month. The Brewers, the team I just picked to win the World Series. You expected the Dodgers, the Giants to win the World Series. A lot of people do, but the, the Milwaukee will entertain a potent but flawed Braves team. Their starting pitching gives no quarter. They give up no freebies. They yielded the fewest home runs in the National League while pitching the second most innings, and their 213 batting average only trailed the Dodgers. The loss of setup man Devin Williams to a self inflicted broken hand hurts, but watch for Aaron Ashby's emergence this October as a future starter who, for now, can absorb multiple relief innings in the postseason and then turn it over to their lights out closer. Josh Hader, I love the lineup. I think Christian Yelich is still a superstar player. That Christian Yelich of old, I'm talking about the Christian Yelich who won the MVP in 2018 and was very close to doing it again in 2019. He is still in there somewhere. And players like that, they bring their A game and the lights are the brightest. And I think Christian Yelich will have an October to remember, and so will the Milwaukee Brewers. Why do I think the Rays can win it all? I have them going to the World Series, but just... 
They're just a solid team. They brought in Nelson Cruz. They've made some noisy playoff runs. They have the most experience. They're, they have the Shane train. Rookies McClanahan and Baz. They're going to start games one and two and carry the ball into the later innings to set up their bullpen. McClanahan is a lefty, more potentially more dominant than Blake Snell, who won the Cy Young. He struck out 141 in only 123 innings and could put batters away with his fastball and his slider. But the thing of concern for McClanahan the Rays is that he did not touch the sixth inning in 16 to 25 starts. Against particularly disciplined playoff lineups, it will be even more challenging to go deeper into ball games. They will have a significant advantage in the Red Sox, uh, a significant advantage in opponent in the first round in the Red Sox because the Red Sox did play a full nine inning game in the wild card game, but it might they might get in too deep after that series. Let's go with the Dodgers. One hundred six wins weren't for naught as they did live to tell about their first wild card appearance in franchise history, and now they have a highly anticipated showdown with the Giants. The path will not be easy. It will be a five-game series that's written all over it. But the Dodgers have a deep bullpen and a manager, Dave Roberts, who's learned to masterfully run it after five, often harrowing postseasons. Like I said, they remind me of the Nationals with their top three pitching rotation, Max Scherzer, Walker Buehler, and Julio Arias. They will all be available to reset it all in game one of an NLCS. But the bigger concern will be their lineup availability. The loss of Max Muncy is like removing a left tackle from an offense in the NFL. His ability to see pitches and wear down opposing names in baseball is the equivalent in football of clearing holes and providing protection for his teammates. He hit 36 home runs. Facing the Giants and probably the Brewers could put the Dodgers' chances to repeat in the, to, to chances to repeat into an October funk. But hey... They still have Mookie Betts. They still have dynamic lineup. They still have a dynamic rotation. They still have a dynamic bullpen. And if this Dodgers team beats the Giants, there's no reason why you should pick against them. Let's go to the team they're facing, the Giants. I love their rotation. Logan Webb, Kevin Gossman, Alex Wood, Anthony Desclafani. They got Brandon Belt. Oh, no, Brandon Belt is out. I just remembered he was out. He fractured his finger. But it won't hurt the Giants as much as the Muncie's loss will hurt the Dodgers. I like some of their players. They obviously got some postseason experience with Buster Posey, who's part of those Giants World Series champion teams. They got Brandon Crawford, who's on those teams as well. They got some good young players like Yastrzemski. Their young team, this rebuild, they were supposed to win, what, 70, 80 games this year, and they won 107. I love their manager. The team is, I say young, but they're also experienced. They're, they're, they're like average age is like 29. So I think the Giants team could win it all. They're, I think they're one of the most complete teams in baseball. I said that about the Brewers, but I'll say it again about the Giants. I love, love the Giants this postseason. I think that they will beat the Dodgers, but after that, it's a toss-up. Then the team, the, the three teams I think are least built to win it all. Those are my top five I just mentioned in order. The least teams, I think, to win it all in order, I think the White Sox, then the Braves, and then the Red Sox. Let's start with the White Sox. They haven't won a playoff series since winning the World Series back in 2005. They need to vanquish the Astros, Rays, and the NL champion if they want to do that. The, their lineage isn't encouraging either. AL Central teams are 0-6 in playoff series 
I hate to do this for you guys. I hate to do this as a Cleveland Idiots fan. But they're 0-6 in playoff series since Cleveland lost Game 7 in the 2016 World Series, including an 0-3 showing in the expanded playoff format last season. That doesn't scream great things for the White Sox. Still, Lucas Giolito is a stud. They got some studs in that bullpen. They got Greg Kimbrell. They got some studs in that lineup. Obviously, Jose Abreu, Tim Anderson, Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez. They've got a great team. But I just don't think they're as good as the Astros. Braves are my next team. Are they a playoff-tested team or are they a survivor of the horrible NL East? We'll find out soon enough as the Braves embark on their fourth consecutive playoff run. The loss of Ronald Acuna Jr. with a torn ACL hurts. They do have Jorge Soler in his 316 on base percentage and leadoff spot. They do have a playoff-tested pitcher in Charlie Morton, who does turn 38 next month, but he is heading the rotation in a bullpen that finds more bats than their past two seasons. The man that's most important for the Braves' playoff run is Ian Anderson. He dazzled in the shortened 2020 season, but was injured and inconsistent this season. He'll have to dominate if the Braves have any designs of surviving any series in this playoffs. And my last team is the Red Sox. There was much hand-wringing over the potential unfairness of the wildcard setup in the NL. The Red Sox represent the kind of club for which this system was designed. They've now won 93 games, and they're a deserving playoff team. But burning Nathan Eovaldi to get past the Yankees was a significantly significant penalty to incur for finishing eight games behind the Rays. With J.D. Martinez hobbled by an ankle injury and lefty Chris Sale uneven, in nine starts back from Tommy John surgery, the Red Sox will need to play nearly perfect baseball, something manager Alex Cora acknowledges they didn't do often during a season with significant ups and more significant downs. And that's why the Red Sox are my last team built to win the World Series. All right, let's get to some college football talk, and then we will go our separate ways. Let's pick some of the games in college football this week. Last week, probably the biggest college football game, Cincinnati beat Notre Dame. Cincinnati's number five in the country now. I think they have a legitimate shot to make the college football playoff. But let's pick our games this week. Oklahoma and Texas, the Red River shootout. I like the Longhorns to get the upset in this one. Oklahoma's looked iffy at best the last couple of weeks. Obviously, Spencer Rattler hasn't been great. But I still think Oklahoma's a good team, but I think Texas will bounce back and get this win. Ole Miss at Arkansas, both teams coming off blowout losses, their first loss of the year to fellow SEC teams, Alabama and Georgia. I like Ole Miss at home in this one. I love their quarterback. He's a great quarterback. I think Lane Kiffin will have his team juiced up and ready for this one. Georgia at Auburn. It will be a little bit closer than people think. It will be a tougher game for Georgia than people think. But I still like Georgia to go to Jordan-Hare and get this done. Undefeated number 19 ranked Wake Forest at Syracuse. Give me the Demon Deacons. The Broncos of Boise State at number 10 BYU. I got BYU. And then the game of the week. This will have implications on the playoff, on the Big Ten race, on everything. Number 4 Penn State at number 3 Iowa Iowa is a very tough place to play. That defense is very good. Iowa put together their most complete game 
of the season last week when they rolled undefeated Maryland. But I like Penn State more than I like Iowa on offense. So what I guess what am I picking here? A better offense or a better defense? I think I'm going to pick the better defense and the team that's at home. So I like number three, Iowa, to go get it done. Oregon State at Washington State. I'll take Oregon State in that matchup. Number nine, Michigan at Nebraska. A little bit of a trap game, trap game for Michigan, but I think Michigan gets it done. Number 14, Notre Dame at Virginia Tech. I'll take Notre Dame. And LSU at undefeated number 16, Kentucky. Give me Kentucky. So those are my college football picks this week and all the significant games. And that is going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the playoff baseball. Hope you guys do something fun this week. Do something nice for one another. Stay safe out there. Follow the podcast on Instagram at Jote Sports Pod. And we'll be back with another great episode next week. Until then, I've been Jack Bernie, signing off.